2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous <laughs> <video>. <laughs>
0: Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the BoJack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio-review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series BoJack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet.
1: And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And Michael, I am hopped up. I'm feeling energetic. You could probably say I am higher than a stilt-walker's dick tonight, Michael. But (laughs) it doesn't matter because regardless of what I might be, you can always call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can, if you like this podcast, you can follow it on social media, Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do give us a like, share, follow all those good things on Twitter. We like building the community. We like talking ourselves horse about a talking horse. And we think you probably do too. If you'd like to follow either of your hosts, though, I've got a feeling you might want to at least talk to a couple of them after tonight or today's (laughs) episode, or whenever you might be listening to this podcast, of course, you can follow either one of us on Twitter. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflet.
0: At Michael And um, You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow along on Spotify. You can subscribe on Acast. You can listen now on Amazon, wherever it is that they do podcasts. And pretty much anywhere else that matter. Anywhere you can find your podcast, you can pretty much find us. You can also find the podcast through the Acast player link, which goes up every Friday on the app, Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. And for this season only, normally we would be inducting people into our Hollywood Talk of Fame for leaving five-star reviews with a few words. They could be nasty, they could be nice, but they help us get our podcast charts and all that good stuff. For season three, we are doing it through retweets. Uh, every week, we will be posting the podcast link, that Acast link, on the app podcast awesome Twitter feed on a Friday morning UK time. And for anyone that retweets or quote tweets that, you stand a chance of going into our random draw to be entered into the Hollywood Talk of Fame, where you get your very own season three special star. We will be doing another inductee later on in the show. So please, please, it's an episode 11, listen through all the way
1: at the end, because it could be you. It could be you, and you might need it at the end of this one. You sound like Mystic Meg there, actually. I haven't heard someone say it It could be you in quite some time. Uh, Apart from last week when the whole episode was called, It's You, but never mind. It wasn't really him, so what are you going to do? Anyway, I am basically stolen here, I think. I think I'm stolen, because I have got the feeling that you get every time you're about to watch an episode 11 of Mm -hmm. BoJack Horseman, and even better when you're about to break down and review one. So this week, it is season three. It's episode 11 of BoJack Horseman. The title is That's Too Much, Man. And it reads the synopsis as follows. On a drug-fueled bender, BoJack and Sarah Lynn crash an AA meeting, and BoJack decides to make amends to the people he hurt. I hurt myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh god. That's too early to for caps.
1: See if I still feel <laughs> Michael, it's time. I'm gonna hand over the reins to you now, my friend. It's all about to get a little bit too much, man.
0: Why are we so stressed? because the sound of angels singing plays over the top of a beautiful piece of artwork of Sarah Lynn in some sort of like shallow grave in a river. The camera pulls out and it's some beautiful framed artwork in her luxurious bedroom in her mansion. Um, She is anything but the sort of depressed tones that we've started this podcast with. Uh, It's effectively a Disney princess opening to a Disney princess life for Sarah Lynn. Things have come good. If you remember a couple of episodes ago, she was reckless in the car, hitting her toenails while driving and speaking to Bojack on the phone, but she was sober and thankfully she remains that way. It's a gorgeous opening shot where she just awakes to sheer joy. Another day, music plays. She says hello to the animals that are in her garden, although because it's Jack, some of them are actual workers doing work. She actually gets to say hello. She's not just waving to the sweetened birds. She is, however, disturbed by birds. Those paparazzi ones are hiding in her tree. They flash the cameras. She has a moment of stress. She pulls the curtains across, but she just captures herself. After losing it, she's able to bring it back in and take stock. She says, quote... Sarah Lynn, you are calm, you are thin. Your skin is so soft, it's like you murdered a baby and stole its skin. Your skin is murdered baby soft. What's more Disney princess than that? So we go back to that setting as she goes downstairs, she's making a morning breakfast shake. It's full of all these fruits and vegetables that come down from this lovely shelf that is clap generated. Everything is going absolutely perfect. Um, She goes to her calendar uh, where she circles nine months sober. What a huge day, what a lovely day. And then the phone rings. Who could it be on the other end of the phone? It's Bojack Horseman. Um, he is staring at the detritus of his house post-Oscar party that we saw in the last episode. And it's not even an Oscar party. He wasn't even nominated. The window is still smashed. The Tesla is still reversed back into the pool where he very nearly drowned, had not been for Mr. Peanut Butter? He says, Hey, Sarah Lynn, you want a party? And she says... Oh, thank God. All of a sudden, the entire pretense of everything we've seen so far in this episode has dropped. She pulls down the sobriety calendar to reveal a hidden booze shelf and takes an almighty swig as we hit
1: the credits. <sighs> big intro. Oh, big intro, Huge, huge intro. Oh, God. BoJack Horseman, awesome, man. Like, just have a little flashback to the episode. What would have been, what was it? Season three, episode eight, was it? Where he's talking to Sarah Lynn on the telephone, I believe. And he literally is the one saying to her, like, hey, stay sober, don't like, <laughs> don't go back on it. Oh, what a difference a few episodes of poor Jack Horseman can make.
0: And the sad fact, of course, is that she asked him in that call, well, call me when you want a party. And he has kept that in yeah. the back of his mind. Um, that's not to say that the, that moment of pulling down the calendar was not all on her as well. But, yeah, that was something that almost felt written in the stars a little bit, you might say. This day was destined to come, sadly. Yeah. Sarah Lynn and Bojack are making cocktails in uh, in her blender. The blender that was just five minutes ago making a healthy breakfast with kale and all is now just full of booze and drugs. Um, she, he tries to relate to her and tell her the problems that she's going through, but they do that very sitcomy gag where she presses the blender every time he tries. So he doesn't really get to get out the important stuff of why he's ranger in the first place, of why he needs to be around. Um, but what we do here uh, after she noticed that she'd heard about the false nomination and all that sort of stuff, things going wrong, he dares to say, quote, you know who was there for me? No one. Because everyone's an asshole and the whole world sucks balls. This is, of course, one episode after every single friend, one by one by one, was alienated when they tried to help BoJack go into this difficult time. Anyway, Sarah Lynn is buzzed at the idea of a major bender for them to both just forget basically. She shows Bojack some ridiculous and elaborately hidden drugs throughout the house. Uh, Some yoghurt covered raisins are actually Vicodin covered Vicodins. There's some art on the wall, which is LSD, which she illustrates by licking the paintwork off. Uh, There's a a crystal vase that is crystal mech. There's some drywall that is cocaine, until she snorts it and realises that it's actually drywall. Continues to snort it anyway. Smash cut to them later that day, obviously midway through an afternoon of just indulging in all this drugs and booze. They're drunk and they're actually having quite a nice time together. Uh, It's not a particularly positive one, they're just talking about horsing around. DVDs are strewn all over the floor and they're kind of drunkenly reminiscing about times on the set and kind of mentally adding ones to like a playlist of things they're gonna watch later on, which is the sort of stuff I suppose two ex-sitcom stars would do together. They discuss an episode in which a guest star was on from the modelling world and Bradley Hitler-Smith had an erection all the way through, (laughs) uh, which is the light to the shade that follows, where they describe that Joelle Uh, was once asked to dress like a pumpkin and developed an eating disorder as a result due to all the fat jokes that uh, went on during the episode. Uh, It is also noted that she missed four episodes because she had to go off and deal with the uh, eating disorder that she developed during that time. Bojack is getting uh, really nostalgic about horsing around, as he always tends to do in these times of great weaknesses. But we then cut randomly to Bojack raging that all buildings should be rectangles. Um, Sarah Lynn has to relive the last 10 minutes or so of Bojack's life because we've certainly not seen it and it turns out neither has he and it turns out that he's just blacked out he hasn't heard any of what's gone on he just the drugs and the booze have started to take effect Um, and then we see that exact same transition that takes us forward to them talking yet more in the kitchen so that's already two blackouts where we're losing time in Bojack and Sarah Lynn's evening to the drugs and booze and same way they are another one to them later on at night, it's darker. They're watching the episode of and Around where you can see Bradley Hitler-Smith trying desperately to obscure his impression. <laughs> the poor guy, uh, while the dialogue in the episode features all the characters talking about what they learned about the Armenian genocide. The poor, <laughs> poor Bradley is there, hands all over his crotch. Uh, Bojack laments how life can't be like horsing Around as usual, he just wants things to wrap up neatly in 20 odd minutes. Um, but Sarah Lynn makes a far more salient point that she had no clue what she was signing up for when she was doing all that. She drops in a conversation that she was three when Bojack Horse... Sorry, when and Round was given to her, not that she went to set herself as she puts. She didn't ask for any for that. She brings up the idea of uh, child labour laws and what emotional damage it could have done to her. But then kind of no cells that these damages have clearly happened to her. Uh, Bojack wants to do something else. She suggests the planetarium because it's fun to get high and stare at the stars. But another blackout, and they're an AA meeting. Before we get to that AA meeting, another pause for the cause there. Um, The first stages of their bender, I guess. The blackouts as transitions, the little comments about horsing around. It's never, it's so amazing, the horsing around flashbacks are always loaded with tragic pathos set to the soundtrack and the visuals of the most clichéd night is comedy. And this, again, brought that to the front.
1: It's always just such a horrible contrast, isn't it, of like, this show that it's essentially supposed to be happy go lucky, 22 minutes of hilarious bits and bobs, and then it's all wrapped up nice and neat. And it's like, it always feels like whoever it's obviously we're usually watching it with Bobo Jack, but whoever he's with, there's always that sense of like, oh, this should have happened, or this was happening at the time, which is why that wasn't actually as rosy or as lovely <laughs> as possible it possibly could be. And I think, like, the way they use this as a vehicle to kind of deep dive into the Sarah Lynn stuff a bit more as well, I thought was great. Like, the fact that she's obviously as we've had throughout this one of many like child sensations who ends up having Mm -hmm. all the pressures put on is probably in the situation she's in right this second with bojack because of all that and just having such a weird weird life we saw it in prickly muffin in season one episode Mm -hmm. three but i just think the way these two whenever they're together there's just that real sort of it's a drastic, drastic sadness. Like, yeah. it's unspoken quite a lot of times. And they talk about how good the times were together. But in the next breath, they're talking about some really dodgy, shady stuff that was going on. Mm. And nobody's listening to anybody. They're just talking at each other, which is like yeah. the perfect a lot of it's just the perfect sign of just two people who are together, but they're not really connecting in any way, shape, or form. They're just talking about themselves to another person
0: better to be in the room with somebody yeah, rather nobody than just at all. say those things to yourself in a padded cell or somewhere there's always with them too especially when it's just those two there's always a ghost at the feast but the feast is made of drugs and the ghost is just tragedy isn't it it yeah. link it lingers there constantly in the room with them um not that it would have time in this episode because as we say a blackout was taken us to an alcoholics anonymous meeting they are there looking absolutely minging we are left to assume that this is maybe the next day or something like that uh, but sarah lynn wants a nine month sobriety chip uh despite the fact that they've been on this spending hours we later find out 31 hours uh bojack is trying to tell her that that's not really how this works but she sort of suggests that it's not strictly in the air uh, laws that you can't drink so she believes she has earned the right to this chip um, Bojack boos and heckles the recovering alcoholics that are speaking on stage while they're waiting. He starts getting competitive about the worst things he's ever done. Um, one, of the, one of the people that recovering alcoholics <laughs> notes that they used, reco- uh, used character actress Anne Dowd to sabotage their roommate's hip-hopper. Bojack calls that quote, baby stuff, <laughs> and recounts every detail, not of Margaret Martindale, and not the things he's done to Todd but of what happened with Charlotte and Penny. And I mean every stinking detail as if he's listened to our podcast to get the full story all over again. Um, Almost to the point of gloating about what happened, the level of destruction he caused in New Mexico, the destruction he caused to a young girl's life. Um, Just because he seemingly wants to be the worst in the room, he wants to undermine the problem of others to make his feel the biggest, even now, he can't win an Oscar or he can't get the nomination. So he's trying to claim something on a different podium instead. Um, Quote, did I ruin the family? Did I scar that little girl for life? I don't know. I'll never know. And again, that infinite sadness, as you say, just envelopes this room full of people that are obviously going through sadness of their own. And in a way that he seemingly wanted to do, he's stolen the show. Um, Next blackout, and they're both speeding through traffic. Uh, obviously still drunk, still high. Sarah Lynn reminds Bojack that he's actually spoken about Penny at the meeting, which fills him full of dread. Um, But she does say that having searched on her Facebook during one of Bojack's last blackouts, she is actually fine. She's had a look into her life. She's uh, she's gone to college and it's possible that things are just okay. Um, Bojack, Seems relieved at this, and then Sarah Lynn goes on. She kind of suggests that life is just about doing bad things and then making amends, and then doing bad things and then making amends. It's just a loop, but at least you can always make amends. I'm not sure that quite works out, as Sarah Lynn would imagine, but it seems to work enough for BoJack. Uh, (laughs) All I should point out, as they're running people over, there is all sorts of destruction you can hear in the background for the fact that they're speeding through traffic drunk and high, but it's about doing bad things and making amends, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry, I read ahead and I should have done. But this scene ends when we are talking about doing bad things and making amends of them crashing into the playhouse of the son of the BB living accountant that constantly faces pure misery due to being remotely involved in this case, second and third hand with any of these characters. Yeah, Bojack leans out the window because he realises that he's got to make amends for doing his bad thing and says, quote, Hey kid, I'm sorry your lame dad built such a cheap-ass playhouse and then Sarah (laughs) Lynn piles on. Yeah, you've got to use parallel joints to support that foundation. Dumb s***. Also, suck a dick. (laughs) (laughs) So, in their minds, they've made amends for doing that bad thing, I guess. So they're uh, off to Mr. Butter's and Diane's. And um, this is sort of set up the theme of the episode, of which now Bojack wants to use this bender to go and right several of the wrongs. Interesting that when he was sober, he was saying that nobody ever tossed. And now as soon as he's got all various chemicals inside him, he realises that everybody did. Um, they break in uh, through the side door, which Bojack notes that he's gonna have to make amends for later. Um, because there's nobody in the house at the moment. They've absolutely wrecked the kitchen, eating all the food. Sarah Lynn wants to go. She's bored, but BoJack desperately wants to make amends, and Sarah Lynn has an idea of how to do it. It cuts to them in Diane and Peanut Butter's bedroom, where they're dressed <laughs> mostly <laughs> as Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter, respectively. Sarah Lynn is ripping the piss out of their characterizations. She says, quote, What's Diane's deal? Is she like an Asian Daria? It totally goes off the rails. Uh, with the two of them trying to get into character as Peter Butter and Diane, at which point the camera pulls back to reveal that Peter Butter and Diane are in the room next to them. <laughs> to perform this sick, sadistic play. Um, <laughs> they offer to put um, them up in the spare room for the night, let them sort of just cleanse themselves and freshen up. Uh, <laughs> poor Jack and Sarah Lynn think they're mirrors and they race off back to get onto the bender as quick as possible. Uh, <laughs> As brilliant little like knockoff gag. Uh, what we hadn't noticed at this point, because I hadn't been in shop long enough, is the cast from the broken arm has been removed. And Bojack rushes out and pushes her over, and she looks at her wrist just hanging down going, oh, god damn it. And it is implied that Bojack has re-broken her arm as they decide to leave. Um, they're back in the car speeding away, and uh, and Bojack is so high on believing that he's made amends that he's now excited to do more. He punches the window, exclaiming, so that just smashes as well. Um, he wants to do Todd next uh, because obviously from the last episode it was Todd's big speech that really put him at this rock bottom point and we cut to um, Todd, a Bojack drunkenly stroking the head of Todd and his yellow beanie only it's not Todd uh, he has taken full responsibility, not to Todd but to a young boy in a red t-shirt with a yellow beanie and blue hair. <laughs> It would look a bit like Todd if you have been on a 31 hour bender, but is otherwise a child. Um, he stops taking responsibility and then blames Emily uh, right as he asks curiously, quote, besides, are you even into girls? Uh, the reveal of the boy that he's harassing basically comes with his parents next to him who are shocked. The boy looks terrified, but the parents worry so suddenly turns to a bit of entrepreneurship. They say, quote, that movie star has really taken a shine to our boy. You think this is a big break? Uh, The man's wife says, and the boy's mother obviously says, don't you think he's inappropriately interested? Uh, And the man says, no, but if he is, that could also be a big break. (laughs) <laughs> everyone in hollywood was covered in that tar bojack staggers off before that situation can get any worse because he says that his parents are boring well uh trying to catch up with sarah lynn we just see most ridiculous sitcom visual of sarah lynn chasing the car that is now driverless but reversing down the hill going off in the hill uh we get another blackout that takes us to anna's front door but that feels like as good a place to pause as any um the first set of amends try and pick the bones out with that because i still can't
1: i was going to say where on earth do i try and interject yeah i mean i'll start from the the little the, the little boy interaction first of all because <laughs> jesus god damn christ i mean it, <laughs> hollywood is a is a bad bad place mm-hmm. but what makes it worse michael is that hollywood actually exists <laughs> it's a, that's a real place and that's where the inspiration for all this is coming from the part where he's literally walking away and that's saying would you like him to come over for a sleepover to your house <laughs> do you want to do that like i mean we all know the connotations that come with this of course mm-hmm. sans the liable, so we won't dive into it but you know yeah. you can probably put the pieces together i'm sure with insert however many people you want to from the yep. Hollywood lifestyle in real life too many, too many. <laughs> uh, far too many at this point I would imagine um, but I just think this was always going to be a great little uh, narrative device as soon as Bojack tacked on to the whole immense thing mm. and the irony of him going to Diane after, I mean let's be honest he was a complete dick to Diane the last episode like, like an unadulterated arsehole to Diane let's be quite right because she mm. was just coming over to check up on him And he just tore, he literally tore our new one, tore our life to shreds. The woman who's actually going through probably the worst time of all his friends and probably needs his help. Um, So to see the fact that he turned up the way he did, and then ironically, of course, just ends up breaking our wrist anyway. (laughs) Because that's what Bojack is. Bojack doesn't fix things. Bojack breaks things. That's just what he does. That is his MO top to bottom. And sure enough, I think everything pretty much that he comes in in contact with, minus I would say the little boy who it seems might already be broken because of his parents. Bojack actually ends up breaking, yeah. like the, daughter, the the house outside of Oxnard's house. He smashes the the little their uh, <laughs> kids' playhouse. The Diane's wrist, he breaks Diane's and Peanut Butter's house. He smashes and breaks into. Like he's just a destructive, destructive bastard.
0: The window. That was it. Uh, the, the window. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great observation. That because every single tiny thing that he. Comes near the consequences are they end up broken as a Anything result of He can. It's, it breaks yeah.
1: it, he breaks things. That's what he does,
0: and it's only getting worse. The blackout device continues in earnest, and um, it takes us to Anna's front door. I should point out, I'm assuming, obviously, people have maybe watched along, or if they're going to watch along with this, we don't get any of the details there. Every time I'm saying blackout, we are taken instantly to where the characters are at that very moment. So we are led to assume that Bojack has no recollection or memory because we're kind of watching this episode through Bojack's lens, I guess, due to the blackouts. So we are back at uh, Anna's. Um, Anna's flat, she uh, isn't too pleased to see them. Obviously both uh, hammered, they're stinking up the place. Um, and she wants to know why he's there. Um, and he's looking to make amends, but before he properly gets to that, he kind of remembers the events of the last episode that Anna left him in the lurch, uh, when obviously the Oscar nomination fell through. Um, she's very Anna about it. She says he, she thought he was a winner, but she was wrong. Um, But he pushes the issue further. He calls himself, quote, a broken misfit toy and then suggests that she's broken too and they could be broken together. He then says, quote, what about that doesn't appeal to you? Um, Which is interesting because she's been the one that's been able to cut this relationship off as being simply professional. And he is maybe revealing that he was starting to feel something deeper for her. here. Uh, Nonetheless, Anna sighs and goes to tell a story of when she was a lifeguard. It seems to be the sort of thing that she's going to try and give him something profound to get him out of the house with forever. But the blackout transition cuts the story off and takes us back to Bojack and Sarah Lynn in the car. Uh, Bojack, because of the blackout, can't actually remember if he got closure. But Sarah Lynn confirms that the only thing that really happened was that she set fire to her ottoman, which is of course is a really cute callback to the exact same damage she caused in Bojack's house back in season one. So he insists they go back. He's got a bit of a particular interest in making amends with Anna here. So they're back to her uh, apartment and she starts the story again. Uh, just to get him to leave at this point, but he blacks out again, and then they're back into the car. Bojack asks Sarah Lynn what <laughs> happened. She says, oh, you want to go back, don't you? He insists to go back again, and when Anna says lifeguard, he instantly blacks out again. Not to worry, Sarah Lynn wrote it down this time, only she didn't. It's just a complaint about the smell of Anna's house because of the burnt ottoman, and a stream of consciousness rant about her wanting to get her boob job, and her own problems with her body, and her mental well-being, to the point that Bojack just accepts it as a job stone. Says, quote, who's next? But it's a cut to them outside Princess Carolyn's place, where Bojack is still in the car, screaming that he's sorry. It's late at night. It's grim. It doesn't yeah. feel like this sort of warming moment between the two characters. After all, the cold ones we've seen previously. What is quite warm is Princess Caroline comes to the balcony and sighs, but goes back inside, hand in hand with Ralph Stilton, who they're both in dressing yeah. gowns, so we're led to believe at least to stay of the night. Or their relationship is at least developed beyond when he asked, when she asked him out at the end of the last episode, of things looked pretty bleak.
1: Yeah, I just—I was just going to say that I got big, uh, really big, high-fidelity vibes out of this. Where, <laughs> yeah. Like, the very opening scene where Rob's just shouting,
2: Charlie! You <laughs> f***ing bitch! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Completely counterproductive to what he's trying to achieve. Bojack just drunk and a mess, a hot mess at that. Outside Princess Carolyn's, who he's just fired, let's not forget. He fired her, and he's outside mm-hmm. saying sorry on a doorstep, obviously, his amends. But... It's not, even she knows that's not what he needs to be doing right now.
0: Well, it's not to worry, because men's aren't made there, but blackout, I'm all back at Anna's one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Bojack says, quote, I know I I keep bothering you tonight. And then Anna says, tonight, I haven't seen you in two weeks. Ooh, interesting time jump. Oh, brother, we're going through at quite an alarming rate on this bender. But Anna at least finally gets the lifeguard story out. She notes, basically, it was just about how when she was lifeguard training, she was taught a very important lesson about how there's some people you can't save. And those people will thrash and struggle and try and take you down with them. And Bojack replies, what does that have to do with me? <laughs> <laughs> of course, off the back of that, we get a blackout. Um, they are driving in the freezing snow. Uh, Bojack doesn't know where they are other than that it's absolutely really cold. There's a snowstorm outside, but they're in Ohio. Um, Sarah Lynn just wanted to go to the planetarium, but Bojack wants to go and make amends to Penny. Oh, my God. Um, He reacts much in the same way. What a truly dreadful idea this is when Sarah Lynn reveals it. So it's okay. He's going to turn the car around. Blackout! And they're in a university library doing a stakeout waiting for it to arrive. Before we get to where this goes, um, the rising and graduating sense of chaos, tension and ugliness It's really quite profound in this. The blackout device has already proven itself a total winner if we're just talking about dissecting the actual architecture of this show itself. It's now been used as a time jump. It's been used as a joke device, as a storytelling device. It's to remind you that they continue to take, or at least Bojack does, continue to take substance that literally takes him out of his mind. Again, we are far from a point-of-view first-person episode, but we're living this through Bojack's blackouts. So the fact that we're seeing what he's missing it's terrifying considering what they're getting up to.
1: Honestly, this is such a great device. They've, they've put so much into this episode in terms of like devices and narrative structures that like we know the amends is going to be a great through, through line for us to follow. Then the blackouts, though, as the, well, obviously they come beforehand, but as you say, using them in such multiple different ways that you don't really know what's going to come out the other end. <laughs> so you've, you end up feeling, I just remember feeling the immediate anxiousness and worry of what is it going to be this time? Is it going to yeah. be a gag? It's like literally, like when it goes black, it's like someone's just pulled the handle down on the machines, on the slot machines in mm-hmm. Vegas, and we are waiting to see what comes out the other end. We've got the three options, <laughs> and I think the, the Anna one, especially, is just that that moment when they tell you it's been two weeks and you great,
0: great reveal. Oh,
1: you get that horrible feeling in your gut where you're like, oh man, like what's happened in those two weeks? What has happened in those two weeks, Michael? How are we gonna know? We're not. This is Bojack. He just didn't even know what day of the week it is himself. How are we going to know what kind of disasters he's been up to? And we've already seen some of them, and they're not great.
0: It's uh, it's not uh, a lost podcast. And as we've discussed, this is not Penny's boat. It's Bojack's boat. But uh, there's a very much... It's a micro vibe of, Jack, we need to go back about Anna's little reveal to Bojack. Yeah. That it's been two weeks, because it does just... Pull the rug out from you on an episode that, as you brilliantly point out, with every blackout, a new rug is pulled. You are dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping, and then you take an almighty fall when she reveals that time jump. Uh, because obviously, we have led to this the biggest and worst decision, which is going to stake out Penny. And if they've been on that bender that long, like this, you already know that this cannot end well. Um, they're in the library, they're uh, they're staking um, Penny out. She's not uh yet arrive yet. Um, And they're just talking away to each other. Sarah Lynn says to Bojack, uh, you think it's too late for me to go to college? I always wanted to be an architect. But that tails off into a a nonsense conversation about how she could be a spy or a call girl at the same time, which Bojack, despite being like three sheets to the wind and high, picks at the flaws of why she couldn't really possibly be an architect. She could never go and do that now. Um, But then Penny arrives. Uh, Sarah Lynn quite brilliantly here ribs Bojack about how he totally ruined her life how she's probably going on a laptop to speak to an old horse who's abusing her over online chat rooms and things of that nature um, so they decide at that moment finally after the car turnaround didn't work the last time they're gonna go back to LA blackout they're in the college cafeteria she's eating her lunch they've somehow trailed her there uh, Bojack realises again that this needs to stop he writes Follow Penny on one of his hands with the intent to write do not on the other so we can have a look and put them together in case he blacks out again. He's finally thinking this through, Nicholas. blackout, and they're staking out the frat party where she's drinking with friends. He looks at his two hands and it turns out that one said follow Penny and the other said donut. So at least, oh. got, at least they've got something to eat while they make horrendous decisions. Good news, though. We needed some. Thank God. She's actually content. The uh, the Facebook statuses were true. Uh, Sarah Lynn's original assessment of her life now was accurate. She's really happy. She's not drinking. She's drinking Red Bull. Um, she's interacting with friends. There's an a cappella group that she says hello to. Um, she knows the name of them. They know her name. It just is the perfect vision of somebody that is ingratiated in college life wonderfully. She's unhooking her bike to leave the frat party, with the implication being that nobody would drink and ride a bike, let alone drink, take drugs, and drive. She is living a better life. And isn't it nice to see it? Uh, Bojack, sort of wave of relief, rushes over him at the fact that he hasn't ruined a life. This was the one he need. He doesn't need to make amends because for him, at least on this occasion, amends don't need to be made. The right decision is just to walk away. So that's uh, exactly what they're going to do. Um, after Sarah Lynn has pointed out that maybe this was going to be the case all along, she says, quote, you were father of a figure who was sexually inappropriate to me and I turned out perfect. So, things are fine, question mark. Uh, They decide to go, uh, but when Bojack just briefly needs to go and, quote, pee out the last 20 beers, he (laughs) knocks over the college's a cappella group. And because they fall over in tune, it alerts Penny as she's unhooking her bike and she sees him. Uh, Big gag. Maybe biggest ever drag, because this is no laughing matter. She is petrified. She's scared. She's nervous, she's uneasy, she has had the rug pulled out from under her this time. She says, quote, did you come here to find me? You can't be here, I don't want to see you. I was 17, I didn't know any better. Yeah, you're squinting as well, I couldn't get these notes down 1st time for squinting myself. Before Bojack and Sarah Lynn can do anything about this hideous, hideous brick-in-the-face realisation of what exactly is going on right now between these three characters. The student excitedly shouts from the frat party, it's Bojack and Sarah Lynn! And an enormous crowd gathers around them. They're wanting selfies, they're wanting attention, they're wanting anything they can get of these two sitcom stars from the 90s. Penny nervously backs away into this crowd in a shot that looks like the Bojack Horseman credits, but in reverse, the crowd is around her looking to get to Bojack, but all Bojack can see is Penny's devastated face, failing at the background. Now he needs to make amends, and he can't, can he? He can't get there. Even Sarah Lynn, drunken in she is, appreciates the gravitas to the situation, says, Bojack, we need to get out of here now. They make their escape. Cuts to Sarah Lynn and Bojack back in the car, with Sarah Lynn laboring heavily on what a truly awful thing all of that was. Summing up just how dreadfully that went by saying, quote, in a way, it's like you destroyed a life twice. <laughs> I mean, God damn. That is... I, this is not the exact emotion I went through on this watch, but I know for a fact it was the first time. I felt scared for Penny when she saw Bojack. Scared for her. The dialogue was impeccable. The dialogue was impeccable. They dropped in the age. They dropped in how she was suddenly powerless, that she had no control over the situation. Because as usual, in these awful, awful stories, an older man... And a young girl who may be 17 is important. They were very big on the legalities, but the legalities don't matter. You can see what this has done. You can see what she's tried to push to the back. It was scary. It was was brilliant, but it was brutal.
1: There used to be a show uh, that had featured Josh Hartnett in it, Michael, and I believe it was Eva Green as well. That show was called Penny Dreadful. And Christ, was this Penny Dreadful. (laughs) This was, like, you knew... I can, you kind of got the gist from the second we saw the A.A. meeting that that there was the the at the root of all of this bad stuff. We can't help but not think about what happened at the end of season two, the worst thing Bojack Horseman has ever done.
2: Yeah,
1: like the worst thing we have literally ever seen Bojack I like do. The,
0: and think of the ground that covers. They constantly want you to think yeah. of the ground that covers, but that's the worst. That is the that worst. Man,
1: that man has done some terrible things in the yeah. in the nearly three seasons, three full seasons that we've seen him. And that's the worst. And it's by quite a long way. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a terrible thing. And so for this panic and dread that they fill us with of a man who is our narrator, who is our, like, protagonist, quote-unquote, protagonist <laughs> in um, situation, to be in this, in this mode where these blackouts are just happening and he can't stop them, and where he's going to end up next, we don't know. This is the one place we didn't want to end up. like Ultimately, though... We we needed to we had to, because that's the it's it's horrible. But this was the thing we needed to face and see. And he's been putting this off so long for an entire season. Basically, he's put this off until eventually we come back to the root cause. And it turns out he might have even just got away with it. Like, yeah, yes, he's going to have to deal with that. But ultimately, this young woman Penny isn't going to let it define who she is. Mm. She's gone off to university. She's trying to become the thing she wants to become that clearly doesn't involve him. And he just, he bojacks it, doesn't he? He doesn't do the dance. There's no dance, he just turns up. (laughs) And it's there's a thing that isn't broken. Finally, something that isn't broken here, And he still manages to get his stupid, stupid horse stench on it.
0: You raise a really good point there, you know, because within the context of this show, and I guess if you're receiving Bojack Horseman as a real person, yes, he does need to address it. But it's only when Penny sees him that you realise that his punishment is to deal with that alone. And his Yeah, his punishment. Like, all this time, we're like, well, Bojack has to confront the his actions. Nope. He does. He has to confront them in the mirror. That's where yeah, he has to confront. Every morning. Every yeah.
1: morning. It's his atonement for that. He that's, has to do that.
0: And that's on him. That was never on her. And that's what happens here, is that just like there was an abuse of power, control and relationships in that boat, there was the same again here. Because he took it upon himself even on a bender, he took it on himself to take the control back of this awful thing that's happened in both of their lives when she had spent all that time just trying to grasp just a little bit of it. And it was only at that moment that you realised, oh, Bojack, living your life is how you pay penance for this, not going and destroying hers.
1: That's exactly it. And just to go back, coincidentally, I wasn't intending this, but like (laughs) to go back to High Fidelity again, Like the whole (laughs) thing of that film is that Rob, our like central character, is making amends, but it's all driven from narcissism. It's all yeah. him wanting to like to make himself feel better. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really give a crap about what's happening at these women. He's, <laughs> to. he's just like, oh, I'm helping all of us out, ticking the box. But he's not. He's trying to make himself feel better. And that's exactly what we're getting with Bojack here, yeah? all the way through to the point where we hit that one moment where he might just be able to get away. That's the thing. They even give us the out. She's, on mm-hmm. a, she's about to be on the bike. He's about to leave and he all that happens is he just, he almost gets so a little bit more high off his own success that he hasn't ruined a life that he yeah. starts finger gunning towards Sarah Lee <laughs> and walking backwards, like almost like awkwardly moonwalking out of a room like Nick Miller does in New Girl, like <laughs> scooting away and then ends up stupidly, literally falling into another problem when all he had to do was look where he was bloody going. Mm. Oh, he's a piece of this horse, man. He's a piece of shit.
0: He had that you destroyed a life twice line coming, didn't he? Um yeah. They're driving back in the car. Um, Sarah Lynn is rooting around in Bojack's uh, glove box and finds a little baggie of the Bojack heroine, of course, the one with the sort of like odd whiff Bojack drawing on the side where he discovered that there was a drug named after him. Uh, Sarah Lynn uh, is amazed with this. Uh, she says, quote, getting a drug named after you is cooler than getting an Oscar. And she really wants to do the Bojack. Not the dance, as you point out. If only she wanted to do the dance instead of the heroine. Bojack says he's not going to shoot heroin. They can snort it. Because <laughs> <Big>, uh, <laughs> hosting around style payoff to doing heroin. just when you think this episode can't get any darker. Uh, and he reveals, this is a point where the camera pulls out, they reveal that somehow they've made it back to Sarah Lynn's uh, mansion and they're tripping badly on it. We go into Bojack's hallucination, and this is, Gorgeous. All of this is is beautiful in just how tragic it is. He's uh, he's with Cuddly Whiskers. Uh, it's revealed through typically some clunky exposition where uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cuddly Whiskers
0: mentions 2007, and Bojack says, "Why do you have to say the date there?" Uh, they're at his house, um which is shaking constantly. Foundations underneath are being ripped away. Even the pool outside, you can see that the water is moving. But Bojack, it's a room with Cuddly Whiskers, Cuddly Whiskers' assistant, and Bojack, and Bojack is the only one that can feel the earth shaking beneath their feet. Uh, Basically, it's after yet another disastrous episode of the BoJack Horseman show. The network have been on the phone again. They want ratings to turn around fast. Um, Cuddly Whiskers notes that in the show, BoJack's character taking heroin on the BoJack Horseman show was a gag too far, as was the quote, disjointed blackout structure with the one flashback in the middle. It really confused our audience. That's right, they're going meta only. It's a metaception, as Cuddly Whiskers then notes <laughs> that people hated the fourth wall meta jokes. <laughs> the house continues to shake, and the shaking gets more violent at this point. But again, still only Bojack notices. Uh, Cuddly Whiskers and his assistant pitch Sarah Lynn for a ratings grabbing guest star, like a stunt cast, as horsing around used to do all the time, as we've seen in numerous flashbacks. Uh, And there's a loud bang that contributes to the shaking as well. The main mention of Sarah Lynn's name and the prospect that she might be involved in the Bojack Horseman show. Uh, Cuddly Whisker says, quote, she's the only hope of keeping that show alive. Ask her, you're like a father to her. It's at that point when Cuddly Whiskers confronts him with that reality. uh, You're like a father to her that he falls on his face amidst all the shaking. It like knocks him off his feet and he lands face first on Cuddly Whiskers floor. And then he snaps up from the hallucination. And he's face down at Sarah Lynn's and the man who is, quote, like a father to her, looks around at the detritus. It's Sarah Lynn, it's booze and it's drugs everywhere. He is failing at that role that even in 2007, he was perceived to have. Uh, one more blackout. And they're on that bench that they were at, obviously looking out at the sunrise that time, uh, talking about Herb's ass cancer, famously, when they were looking at the, uh, the sun going down. They're strung out, but they're talking about how at least they've got each other. Uh, they understand what they've experienced. They've gone through the same experiences with horsing around and the Hollywood machine, chewing them up and spitting them out. Um, Bojack tacitly slags off Todd and Princess Carolyn for glomming onto him. Again, just how dare he, how absolute dare he do that. But then Blackout, the are lying on the bed, hand in hand, in what looks like a grimy, cheap motel that they've somehow made worse. Um, oh,
1: God, it's yeah.
0: Down, it's dingy. It looks like a crack den. And to be honest, they may have well made it one, for all we know. There's everywhere. They're on this stained, minging, horrible mattress. The camera, the shot of it is just, it's beautiful in how it captures the ugliness of it. Because it's a bird's eye view, looking down and then both staring wide-eyed, still holding hands, still on this bed. But looking, again, like the bender has taken them to some horrible dark places. This one, perhaps the most darkest of all. Bojack is still talking. He's kind of developed a sense of profundity. He says, quote, you and me, we don't want anything for each other. I could never figure out what love meant. But right now, I don't need to figure out anything. I just feel it. I love you, Sarah Lynn. Sarah Lynn. Sarah Lynn. Oh, my God. Oh, but it's okay. She snaps back awake. Oh. You think that Sarah Lynn has just died on his bender. It's going to be all right. Um, Bojack is obviously petrified at the prospect that he nearly lost her. But she snaps back awake, saying she wasn't dying. She was just bored. Uh, She's <laughs> something to do. She turns the TV on, and the Oscars are on. And uh, what a grisly reminder this is of how long this bender has been going on, because it started the day after Bojack thought he was nominated for one. Um Absolutely terrified to even think about the time that has passed since they started drinking. Uh, but there's no time for that because uh, Sarah Lynn has won one. She's won one for her best song uh, in the Nazi who played Yahtzee. Um, she's thrilled um, to win this Oscar. She's jumping on the bed. She can't believe a look, which is quite a nice callback to how apparently doing that heroine was far cooler than winning an Oscar. But suddenly you see the dream realized and she reverts to yeah. just being somebody that feels validated finally. Um there's a bear on stage and uh, who accepts the Oscar on her behalf. Um, possibly the the director of the, the Nazi play, Gatsby, maybe. I didn't catch the note on that. Uh, but it all gets very serious because he says, uh, and if you're watching this, Sarah Lynn, wherever you are, please come home. And that immediately paints the picture of this missing celebrity, this celebrity that has distanced herself from her family and her friends that was nine months sober and has now fallen off the wagon and nobody knows where she is brilliantly as well quite cute nobody was asking where maybe Bojack was in the yeah. bit the Oscars they saw but they're looking for Sarah Lynn things have gone badly badly wrong um in winning the Oscar she has that incredible moment the highest of highs that are followed immediately by the deepest blackest lowest of lows she says quote Bojack I don't like anything about me and um, she notes how she was talked uh, into wearing a T-shirt that she was paid by a company to wear. Um, but it's not that she wanted the money. She was paid $8,000 just to wear it. It wasn't about that. She says she, quote, liked that someone still wanted me to wear their shirt. That's how desperate things have got from this life that never really got properly started. Um, it quickly spirals into an existential crisis. She worries about them all being doomed. So Bojack, uh, in a moment of inspiration, calms down by saying that they can finally go to the planetarium. That seems to perk her up before we go to the planetarium, the heroine corner of the bender. Again, when we think we've had the darkness of Penny, we find not necessarily our darker one, but one that's adjacent to it in terms of just how miserable everything has gotten.
1: Yeah, they've done it again, haven't they? They've they've as always with uh with Bo Horseman, they find just when you think you've hit the basement, <laughs> you find the trapdoor that will find you the next level that you didn't even know existed, uh, of, of sadness or dread or fear or misery, whatever it is, and it's always there. And then I think that from the second she Sarah Lynn opens the glove compartment, you're like, Oh no man <laughs> like, <laughs> Because let's not forget, Michael, we've just <laughs> Like, don't erase from your memory the fact that we've just had that really, really dreadful, awful interaction with Penny. That's just happened. That's that That's just happened. That is pretty bad. In fact, that's dreadful. And then, I don't know why I keep coming back. That. That's Penny dreadful stuck in my head there. <laughs> but then they somehow managed to take it this one step further. And just, oh, God, you painted a picture brilliantly there about this motel because... If it was going to happen, any of this was going to happen, that's where it needed to be. Not in Sarah Lynn's big, nice house, nothing like that. It had to be somewhere that really sort of epitomises they've gone too far here. Like, they'd already gone too far. Yeah, We've been at this for God knows how many weeks now at this point, And they decided to just go to that one level where even most of the people who abuse drink and drugs are like, nah, that's too far. That's too much, man, <laughs> you more, might even nah. say. Uh, and they make you
0: consider the indignity of her dying in that room. Yeah, they, 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 give, give you, they that. Give like, you they give you breathing, they give you the space, breathing oh. space.
1: They give you the panic of that. Because it really hits home because it's mm-hmm. it's like let's if anybody who's ever like watched anything, any film, any show, any whatever with that deals with heroin or even documentaries about it, whatever, this is not to be trifled with man. And you're talking about two people who've been on a on a a drug fuel drink fuel bender for God knows how else well long. Like Man, it it's just it hits you. It really hits you. They paint this picture so well, and it it hits you more probably. I think than that awful awkward moment with with Penny.
0: Yeah, it's it, you're right as well. It's 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 ironic that we've tried to apply all the necessary heft to the scene with Penny, but the show doesn't allow you to linger on that for too long. That would be worthy of an ending. That would be worthy of an episode 11, all of its own. But it is merely one part of this destructive sesh that these two are on. Um, the meta stuff, Curly Whiskers, was, was like, just incredible. I was genuinely, I watched this episode twice in the preparation for this, um, which I think would probably be the third and fourth times that I've watched this episode ever. And yeah. this was the bit I forgot, to my shame, because obviously same, no, same, a, lot, a lot of the major story beats. Um I thought the the shaking of the foundations was genuinely quite beautiful. Um, I was on edge. My teeth were itching watching it. I was stressed. I was frantic. Um, you were always the Bojack Horseman show of two thousand and seven is this mystery wrapped in an enigma, where on one hand you know it's a bit like Bojack's notes, where like you've got all the details on one hand, but then nothing relevant on the other, mm-hmm. because every snapshot you get of the Bojack Horseman show is another disaster on top of another that is just doing irreversible damage to these people's lives and careers. Yeah. But it's also wrapped in the chaos of Hollywood, as it was then, before the D got stolen, um, yeah. that they have found a way to normalise that. And I thought that was what we were seeing a little bit there. Cuddly Whiskers, obviously it's a hallucination, but Cuddly Whiskers not acknowledging that the, the ground is falling beneath their feet he's yeah. trying to no sell that and make a stupid bloody television show with a stunt cast he still thinks there's something to fix because there's still money to be made and it's bojack's feelings that we're watching in the form of again just that beautifully portrayed meta la- the meta language and the shaking of the sea. yeah that was incredible hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like
1: looking for your car keys in a fish tank The writing for that exact scene, as you've just depicted very well, there is just—it's—it's it's what you come to expect with Bojack Horseman, and yet still they manage to give you something where you're like, you kind of do the wink and the nod, and then to go that one further and be like, and about those winks and those nods, <laughs> let me tell you something—amazing, <laughs> like, such an amazing, I and I—I I love I love Jeffrey Wright's voicing of Cuddly Whiskers. It's his whole his his voice in general is a delight, but just to include him in the show and have got so much out of cuddly whiskers. It was great. And I loved that there was just enough obscurity there that you don't really know for sure. You've got a kind of idea whether it's a memory or is this just a hallucination yeah. or is it some sort of weird amalgamation of both because that's where he's at right now. Mm-hmm. But the, the shaking of everything around the pool, the pool in the background, especially the uh, swimming pool, just oh, yeah. splashing up. Just splashing up the side, this is a man who's literally just an episode ago driven his car into a swimming pool. Mm. And we just outside, where you just can't see it, out of the door, trying <laughs> to get in almost, is the water from out. It's brilliant. Really, really well done, this.
0: As you say, in obviously through the dialogue, they, they refer to it as a flashback slash hallucination. They've managed to get, they've having the cake and eating it here, because this, to me, the uneasiness I felt watching this, mirrored the drug-induced hallucinations of episode 11 from season one. Yeah, it's always snapshots of reality that are warped bojack doesn't escape into some other world that your high friends have told you is why it's worth taking drug a or drug b he escapes into his own past and the windows are upside down or the dialogue is slightly stilted or whatever it's it's a manifestation of something real rather than something otherworldly that he's trying he, he can't the drugs won't help him escape from the past that he's using that we we'll run away from
1: all it does is sends him into the dark room in the corner that he's locked up and tried not to visit for so long. And obviously it makes for some great television, (laughs) but it also makes for some real proper existential dread when you think Mm. of actually being forced to go and deal with those things. And just on another tiny little note before we do move on, I just thought in an episode where we've seen women in general, who've probably been the sort of victims of everything that Bojack's done, Mm. let's be honest, Is it interesting? I don't think, unless I'm mistaken, uh, Jill Pill, who's in the room with the two of them, doesn't say a word. She just sits there and doesn't work. Two men who are just this really important thing they've got to sort out because they're the men and that's how Hollywood works. And Jill (laughs) Pill, granted, she is the assistant. I will accept that, but doesn't have a word, not even a single word to say in that whole exchange. Mm -hmm. She's just there as eye candy, Michael.
0: Well, and I called her the assistants too, so I am just as big a piece of trash as Bojack and Cuddly Whiskers. Jill Pill, indeed. Um, speaking of dark rooms and existential dread, we go to the planetarium. After an episode of Breaking Everything, Bojack has finally come up with a quick fix. Something in the back of his mind reminded him that Sarah Lynn fetishizes the planetarium as a place to just escape. Something that she feels is maybe still real, something that she feels that gives her life, really. You know, it's that kind of place for her. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful silhouette Um, shot of them two sitting in cinema seating in the front row of this planetarium where they're looking at the stars. They're on the front row. And Sarah Lynn's kind of snuggled into BoJack. You can see a lovely side profile of BoJack Awesome that I think would make for a lovely cover image on a podcast. Um, And they're just looking <laughs> up at the stars. Uh, Sarah Lynn marvels at the domed building, which is a beautiful callback um to their first conversation when they started drinking about rectangular buildings. Uh, Jack says he made it perfectly clear what shape buildings he likes, but he does admit that all of this is really quite beautiful. She yawns, she seems finally at peace, totally relaxed. She says a quote, oh, I want to be an architect. And she rests her head on her shoulder. And some constellations flash up uh, as the voiceover in the, like, obviously, the, the presentation that I guess they're watching of all these stars, says, quote, Our lives are but the briefest of flashes in a universe that is billions of years old. Uh, this gives Bojack what he needs, it seems. Bojack says, uh, See, Sarah Lynn? we're not doomed. In the great gang scheme of things, we're just tiny specks that will one day be forgotten. It doesn't matter what we did in the past or how we'll be remembered. The only thing that matters is right now, this moment. This one spectacular moment we're sharing together. Right, Sarah Lynn?
2: Sarah Lynn? The screen goes black. Sarah Lynn? Credits. Uh, I've, just, I've just shut my
1: eyes because I'm just kind of hoping that when I open them, you're not going to be yet. And I'm not going to have to deal with this.
0: <laughs> Do I go? Do I go? Adam Nicholas. And just keep asking until you respond, hoping that you're going to
1: respond. Just keep asking, because it it could be a while.
0: (laughs) Um, We ended the last episode with Todd saying, man, what else is there left to say? And they give you the pregnant pause to digest that indeed there is nothing left to say. When the screen goes black, we no longer see the planetarium and we hear Bojack's voice. Sarah Lee, there is no. There's nothing left to say. And the tease of the crack den, where you don't want her to be found dead in the dingiest of destinations, turns out to be a red herring because she's going to be found dead in the most beautiful of destinations. I mean, it entered elite television territory a long time ago, I think, this show. But if you were watching for the first time and maybe needed some sort of assurance of that, it came here, and it has broken every single person that has ever watched it. Which is quite in keeping with what Bojack did in this episode. He broke everything to the bitter end, to the point where there was no visuals, only the audio, only the name Sarah Lynn, and he broke all of us.
1: To take a leaf out of Todd's book, fuck it, man.
0: <laughs> like,
1: what else does that to say? Because this is this is the thing. You kind of we creep up to the line. We creep right up to the line in the hotel room, or the motel. I don't even I give them the uh, the honor of it being a hotel at this point. And Bojack has literally just systematically destroyed everything from probably season season, well, probably from season one, episode one. To be honest, <laughs> but specifically the last episode where he went through and basically any relationships he did have left, he was just. Burning the bridges. He'd already fired Carol in the previous episode. Diane, Todd, Mister Peanut Butter, and him never really had much of a relationship to destroy. Truth be told, and I He's now. I mean, if someone kept coming at my door, I'd I'd probably that would be <laughs> it. That would be the end of that one. Penny, who was Scott, who was scot- Free, really, she got away from it. Still, just couldn't keep help himself. Sarah Lynn, the one person who's literally has in our own quotes, sort of. Looked up to him in a way of almost like a secondary father figure, and this, yeah, it, it had to be like this. Unfortunately, like mm. it had to be because we need, we needed something for every. What is it? For every reaction, there was an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, and Bojack was literally looked in the face by the worst thing he's ever done. And that was Penny. Mm -hmm. And he still decided to somehow inadvertently get involved with that. Like that was a choice he made. Yeah. So Karma, unfortunately, moving very, very quickly in this case. It's like, well, if that's not gonna teach you a lesson, then here you go. Here's a a planetarium for you. And here's a prickly muffin. Mm -hmm. Um honestly, I remember the first time I watched this and I knew, and like, I was a hundred percent, a hundred percent sure Sarah Lynn was dead, a hundred percent. Yeah. And somewhere in the minus percentages, that don't even work mathematically to what I've just said, (laughs) I was going. But what? But what if? Nah. nah, And I was like, but no. But what? What if? Nah. Nah. She's dead, Nicholas. Do you get it? Do you get it? do it? Do you get it? She's dead. Do you get? Do you get it? Like how it rhymes with dead. (laughs) Yeah, this was, I mean, this is a masterpiece. Like, honestly, those visuals, we talk about the animation in this show Mm -hmm. quite often. We talk about how they create cinematic moments in this show with aesthetics. They've done it again here in the the planetarium. The silhouette option is, whoever came up with that is a genius. They're looking from the back as they look onto the screen of all the stars and all the space and all the possibilities, endless possibilities, Mm -hmm. all of the tie-ins, all of the tiny little things about Sarah Lynn who repeatedly throughout this episode has moments where she thinks about maybe it's not too late for me, maybe it's not too late and now it's too late and it's just it's too late and it's too much and it's too much for me to be honest.
0: (laughs) It was uh, it was too late when she was three
1: wasn't it? It was. She never stood a chance man she never stood a chance Um...
0: and Bojack, I think it's interesting that obviously in the the fake out ending, if you will, with Sarah Lynn's in the in the um, Which, motel. By
1: the way, is a it's it's a tiny simple thing that, but it was yeah. brilliant. Oh, absolutely amazing! Yeah, how many people went? Oh, thank God! Like because mm-hmm. they knew they knew there was a hint that like people might be suspecting this.
0: Yeah, it disarms you all over again, doesn't it? You were, yeah. you were allowed to. I keep using the word breathe, you're allowed to breathe because you think, oh, well, they've done the death tea, so at least she's not going to die now. Yeah. Like, that's the, And then you, you're completely disarmed by what you assume is going to be a sort of quasi-happy ending of some sort, you know? Um, yeah, both times, Bojack is having the closest thing he gets to, it's not so much making amends, but finding acceptance with life. He's going very big picture. He tells her that he loves her. He tells her that nothing really matters when they're holding hands. Something. In the
1: something that he specifically has already mentioned in this season, talking to Carolyn, that like, it's something he doesn't really know how to say to people. And it doesn't really mean much when he says it. And this is probably the most sincere. I love you. I think we've ever had, and I think we've only had two of them. So right. like, it's, it's
0: like, he's cracking all the big ideas at the exact moment where he's never going to remember them. He's only going to associate them with the lowest point of his life, which has been a life full of lows. Um, all the reminders of when he might have actually got through to himself will be crushed all the way back down by now the most tragic of circumstances the most tragic imaginable of circumstances she dies in his arms effectively um which in itself has a certain fatherly quality to it it remains in keeping with this warped father daughter slash colleague slash Hollywood stars together, life, toxic twins, life that they've lived there. It's, they're it's every, everything every in it? relationship, aren't they? They're brother and they sister, they father and daughter, they sexual partners at one point, very literally. It's, it's, they're, it's they're all
1: things to each other.
0: It's absolutely and everything. Like, it's I only in his that. realization
1: of that that her heart stops beating. In this episode, I noticed that very particular way. It's like they show you how many different levels they are like associated on in mm. such a crazy way, in crazy, crazy way. It's the closest thing he's had to pretty much anything. The only thing she probably doesn't tick the box in his life is being a mother. And that's, yeah. I'd say that's the one thing. But honestly, that's that's the way they play it. And it makes this whole thing just hit so much harder. And obviously we could, and have, talked about this for hours and hours and hours. Because most people will tell you, this is one of the, the episodes that will stick with you forever from this show. I mean, we now have a uh, this is worth celebrating. Hooray! We have a new <laughs> low for Bojack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penny's off the hook now because this isn't, that's no longer the worst thing he's <laughs> ever done. If you want to bring a little bit of lightheartedness into it, but I imagine. And I know a lot of people, we, not watched this show immediately when it was happening in real time. I caught up with it eventually and watched, I would caught the final season, I think, was the, or the, the final two seasons I caught uh, as they were happening. And, the the fact that a lot of people at this point when the show was as is Sarah Lynn was like one of the one of the favorite characters people loved Sarah Lynn's energy they loved the chaotic nature of her and to just to take that away from people and use it as a way to really just highlight how how far off the deep end Bojack's gone I mean it just I love shows that have conviction I hate shows that do something like that and then next week it's like hey buddy <laughs> like yeah. It was all a dream. <laughs> like <laughs> this is you hate it, but you love it. That's the thing.
0: I, I don't want to trivialize like real life tragedy by linking yeah. it to a television show, but something you said there as well, because I'm I was even further behind than you. I was like a, I think I caught the very end of that last season and then watched yeah. the last season as it happened. Um so I got one season of anticipation basically where the rest I was gifted the ability to be able to binge all of this. Yeah. Um People did, reading back, people did love Sarah Lynn and then Sarah Lynn dies due. People loved Sarah Lynn, loved laughing at the excess that she brought into the show and then the excess killed her. That's real life.
1: That's proper real that life. <laughs>
0: is, that is what people people deify young pop stars or young yeah. film stars or whoever, the entertainment machine's latest young thing. People love them. People relish when things go wrong for them in a very public sphere And then often, tragically, these people die, often young. The 27 Club, the awful suicides of celebrities and public figures. And this is just a real-life event playing out in the form of a television show that we are all as complicit in watching BoJack as we are in real life. It, again, gives you your own mirror to look at when you give it enough time to stop and digest it. It's, It's magnificent.
1: Yeah, it's, it is. it really is the, the way they managed to deal with so many different topics. But this one in particular is one they've really hammered home from the very beginning about just the excesses, literally the show, Excess Hollywood. Like they've they hammered home from the very beginning. It's too much, man. The episode's literally called, <laughs> That's Too Much, Man. The catchphrase of a character who was three years old when she was on a TV show, we have seen from the day dot since we met Sarah Lynn, this is not right. The way women in Hollywood are treated is not right. The way the system works is not right. Bojack is the epitome of being the biggest tar bringer and swimmer out of all of them. Yeah. And Sarah Lynn's right along for the ride because she just gets drawn in with the part of the deal. It's, there's no nice way to put it and no nice way to spin it, but it's just RBW and his gang of excellent writers and excellent animators have done it again. And I hope everybody's all right who's watched this episode. Oh, oh um, yeah. If this is your first time, welcome to the club, uh, to <laughs> all, multiple times watching it. Uh, also, welcome back to the club that you left on purpose to get five minutes away. I can't promise you, I'm going to find <laughs> loads and loads of funny things to cure your sadness. Anyway, horsing around, Michael. Everybody's give, me in ga- the mood. give me some gags, please. Give me some gags. Horsing around. And I should point out, this is where we go back in the episode, and we look at all of the funny things you might have missed, the tiny hidden details, the small meanings behind things, the Easter eggs, whatever you want to call them, that are in this show. It's not the and Around, where you sniff heroin off a box of and Around. <laughs> um, so we go back to the very, very beginning, Michael, uh, to Sarah Lynn's bedroom, of all places, which is, I believe, the first time we've actually been here. It's always nice when we get a new place to explore. Yes. Not so much for me, who's got to take down all the notes of every tiny <laughs> little thing. But fortunately, they were quite kind of me in this episode. I think they knew we were going to have a lot on our plate. Yeah. But, as you will see, Sarah Lynn waking up in the morning, oh, it's a brand new day. What could possibly go wrong today? You said, as you alluded to, there's a picture of her that we cut, We could start in the picture on the animation and zoom out from the picture. Mm. As you will notice, Sarah Lynn is lying looking pretty not great in a pool of water. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's black. It's a black river, Michael. I don't know what else you're... <laughs> It's not great. But you may recognise this picture if you are indeed an art lover or just someone who cares about maybe Shakespeare because this... Painting is actually a mimic of John Everett if I apologise, John, if your name is incorrect there. Although, let's be honest, at this point you're probably dead. Um, and it is his painting of Ophelia. Now, I think that feels particularly important, Michael, because as you will read from a lovely, a lovely blabia that we have from Daily Art Magazine about this exact painting, that says, mm-hmm. Ophelia is one of the most popular pre-Raphaelite works and one of the best-known illustrations from Shakespeare's play, Hamlet, which we all knew. Hamlet, eh? You like that? <laughs> From Shakespeare's play, Hamlet, and it says, the painting that hangs above Sarah's be- Sarah Lynn's bed was to show her literary alter ego, Ophelia, and her tragic death, which ah, is, of course, of course, we should have seen it coming, really. It was yeah. all there. A picture speaks a thousand words, and so do we, in this bloody episode. <laughs> anyway, we move on to Sarah Lynn's kitchen, and you mentioned, of course, she making a... Uh, blending herself together a smoothie. Oh, Michael, maybe it's a smoothie because she indeed does also have one of Todd and Ed, Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter's world-famous smoothie blenders. And I just thought I'd rattle off the ingredients that she puts in as well. She she has some blueberry in there. She gets some goji berry. There's some flax that she puts in, some chia seeds. And then she just to chuck in a little bit of extra, there's some shark fin and white rhino horn that she grates (laughs) finally to put the finishing touches on her smoothie, can't imagine what that would do yeah. to a smoothie. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, also, just a tiny little bit of trivia for you, just worth noting that the date on Sarah Lynn's calendar is January the 15th, 2016, when she is nine months sober. That's when this is happening, which I guess means April 2015. The 15th of April 2015 was when mm. she started. There you go. In case you were wondering. Yeah. Uh, on the opening credits, you will notice as Bojack's going through his house, that all of the chaos from the previous episode, it's you with the house party, the smash windows and all that stuff. All to be seen in his living room instead, the house is destroyed. That's the change that we see with the credits. Interestingly, though, there's no car in the swimming pool. That is the one thing they omit from nice. the credits, which I don't know if they just couldn't be or <laughs> Either way, no harm, no foul. I just thought I'd bring it up because yeah. we are thorough on this podcast. Next up, though. There's another painting in Sarah room in Sarah room in Sarah Lynn's living room, should I say? As you'll notice, it's uh, a painting of what looks to be Sarah Lynn like leaning on her tiptoes almost. She mimics it as she's licking it. It's the one she licks the LSD off. Yeah. The painting is a nod, I guess, to a painting by Marc Chagall. And the pa- <laughs> how about this, by the way? The painting is called "The Birthday. <laughs> so- oh man. We've literally had the death day of Ophelia in oh. the previous picture, and then we get the birthday. And I guess it's party mode for everybody because, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that is the very beginning of the bender that they go on, and it's oh. it's absolutely wild. That's too much, man. It's too much, man. Anybody who's paying attention to the dialogue as well should have seen this coming, really, because as Bojack and Sarah Lynn begin their bender, Bojack raises a bottle to her and says, to life and being done with it, and boy, did he mean that! The <laughs> the, also worth noting, the whiskey that they're drinking is Jack Spaniels, Michael.
0: <laughs> I, need, I needed that. I really it's need a little that. twist. Give me an animal it,
1: pun. It's oh. like it's like Jack Daniels, but he's a dog. <laughs> you see, you see. Oh, we needed something, and also brilliantly, uh, as you mentioned, the guest star who appears on Horse and Around that gives Bradley Hitler Smith a little old stiffy. Is Erica Eleniak, who is uh, an actress who actually featured on, most notably, Baywatch. And imagine yes. if an actress from Baywatch turned up, Michael, <laughs> when you were of that age and started talking to you. I think we'd all need a copy of Armenia's history over <laughs> our midriff. <laughs> I also thought it was brilliant that Bojack, again, just illusions there, saying... Why can't life be like it was on Horse and Around? All our issues conveniently settled in 22 hilarious minutes. Oh, if only, Bojack, if only, this podcast would be much happier and probably a lot shorter, actually. <laughs> uh, we go to the AA meeting, which uh, Bojack and Sarah Lynn attend. And brilliantly, I, I don't know the name of these, so you're going to have to help me. You know you know, on The Simpsons, we've all seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer sets up the little desk bird when it goes back <laughs> and <forward laughs> yeah. and it drinks... It's one of them water drinking birds, and it just drinks the water. Well, brilliantly, the bird who was talking on stage when Bojack starts heckling him is that type of bird. And he mentions <laughs> how he just keeps going back to the water, back to the bottle, and keeps drinking, and he mimics it with his head, which I thought was brilliant. That's really good. Absolutely fantastic. And as you mentioned, he also mentions that he, he used, as a parallel to Bojack, using character actress Margot Martindale and sabotaging Todd's rock opera. He says that he used character actress Anne Dowd to help him sabotage his friend's hip-hopper app, which is, just, is a brilliant all that ego gag there. And for anybody that, who's asking um,
0: him... Sorry, I was just going to ask, did you think that particular gag, they had to pick a season one crime? Because yeah. we're that through the... the on, yeah, on all about Like, this is this guy's rock bottom. And yeah. it's like, when Bojack calls it baby stuff, he's referring to, like, episode 5, or whatever it was. It's like, you haven't got a clue, mate. You haven't got
2: a
1: to... That was the first worst thing we saw from boys, yeah. I think. Uh, so it's interesting that they've kind of ticked a few boxes to get us to remind us that, by the way, there's going to be some new ones <laughs> before the end. But yes, just a quick nod, because I'm, I'm sure most character actresses would be angry if I didn't give them a mention. and Dowd, by the way, who gets the, who gets the nod here. American actress, and according to Wikipedia, she has played supporting roles in several films, including Green Card, Lorenzo's Oil, Philadelphia, Garden State, the Mancurian Candidate, the Marley and Me, which is probably the one you might know I'm from most, Side Effects, St. Vincent, Captain Fantastic, and Hereditary, amongst a bunch of others. Basically, Michael, a very good actress who probably goes under the radar of everyone and everything, myself included. But an interesting bit from this. We are in at the Alcohol- Alcoholic Anonymous meeting. Alcohol's Anonymous, or so whatever the <laughs> hell you it. It's too long, man. My emotions are still raw. <laughs> My vocabulary is shot a bit. But that's probably not handy. Because I thought I would give you a quick rundown just out of curiosity. Because I was curious. Sarah Lynn mentions that not drinking alcohol is mm-hmm. not one of the 12 steps. We do actually have the 12 steps here. Would you like to hear them, Michael? Hopkins? Yeah, go on. I guess you would. Why not? Number one, step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. In a two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admit to God, to ourselves and to other human beings, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight. Much like we do at What Culture, made a list of all persons we had harmed, <laughs> not that part, just the list part, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others' interests. Oh, them. nice! Ten continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrongly pro- and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So I will leave it up to you as to whether or not any of that applies to either Bojack or Sarah Lynn in this oh, episode. Oh, Just the just
0: just 12 of them, you know, just the 12. Just,
1: <laughs> fun. just for fun. <laughs> anyway, back to the gags, I guess. When they're driving in the car, Bojack and and Princess Carolyn, Bojack and Sarah Lynn, there's a brilliant bit where they're talking about making amends and how you can just keep making amends and it's like a cycle that you can just keep getting better. As they do so, they crash into a couple of things. One of them is a poor man on a ladder if you <laughs> pause it really slowly, there's a brilliant screenshot, which I believe I definitely send Michael Hamlet before. <laughs> okay. Wonderful guy. They just run a man over and he flies off and they don't even bat an eyelid, they don't no. care whatsoever. And then on top of that, of course, we mentioned this smash through the kids' playhouse, which is Oxnard, who is Mr. Peanut Butter's uh, financial advisor, I guess. Um and Yes, his little son is not very happy about it. Cat in the cradle and the silver spoon. Indeed, (laughs) little boy, for anybody who remembers the callback. We go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house. And just a horrible quote here, which just to bring you back down to earth, because I know you're on such a high at the moment. Hmm. (laughs) Bojack, when he's talking to Sarah Lynn about his why he just keeps eating stuff, Michael, he says, That's what happens when you mix the appetite of a horse with the appetite of someone with a hole inside him that needs to be constantly filled with attention, food, and sex and oh my, gosh. my word we go to anna spana house sarah lynn lighting the ottoman on fire as you mentioned is a nod to sarah lynn lighting bojack's ottoman on fire in season one episode three prickly muffin which is the whole thing that eventually leads to them having sex if you remember rightly mm-hmm. which is completely wild sarah lynn interestingly may be a pyromaniac as well but i guess none of mm-hmm. that matters now uh sarah lynn also in the apartment of anna spana Anna is in the middle of having this conversation with Borja at the door. There's a brilliant, brilliant gag here where Sarah Lynn is just spray painting on Anna's walls on one of our pieces of art that she's painted, as if art didn't need any more destroying at this point. And she's just writing massive letters with graffiti, suck a dick, dumb shit, (laughs) across across the painting, which I just thought was magical. Um, We go back to the, are we in the car? We're in the car this time. We're in the car. And they're on the way, it's when they made the big flash, the blackout, and they are suddenly on their way to Ohio. We get an interesting joke here, which has been done before. Um, they obviously mentioned Ohio, And Bojack yes. says, oh, my God, we drove all the way to Ohio." And she's like, wait, that's not the fun part. Ohio. And she mentioned <laughs> which makes it even worse, of course. So just to clarify, because it did take some clarification for this. those of us who are over in the UK, of course, maybe not as familiar. Yeah. There is Ojai, which is the small city in Ventura County, California, northwest of Los Angeles, which BoJack already states is quite a drive away from where they actually are. Then you've got Ohio, which is, of course, a state in the east, north, central region of the Midwestern <laughs> United States. Just to put that in the uh, context for you, Michael, the distance between Ojai, the small city, and Ohio, the state, where you first get there, Is 2356 miles, (laughs) and that's not including back to where they are in Los Angeles. So, my word, quite a drive to go and make amends. I think you can say he's gone, he would drive 500 miles and then 500 (laughs) more, and then 500 more, etc. etc. We go to the university library where Bojack has gone to see Penny. And brilliantly, as you'll see, he stood there on a stakeout with Sarah Lynn. They've bought new clothes, but one thing he also has is another bag. I don't think it's another bag. I think it might inexplicably still be the same bag that has spy written on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've seen him use in previous episodes, I believe, for season two, episode two, when they're spying on Alexi, uh, Alex, or whatever he's called. There's also a poster in the back of the library. It's in a frame that reads, "books." The new iPads, (laughs) because that's where we're at right now. And speaking of books, there's a couple of interesting ones on the shelf in front of them that they're hiding behind while on the stakeout. One of them is called The Joy of Mating. One of them is called Human Wifery, or Wifery, if you want to call it. Then there's another one that's called Animal Husbandry. (laughs) And another one called Our Arthropods Ourselves. There you go. Very nice. We go to the University Diner. And excellently, Michael, there's an ant who is reading a book just in front of them in the foreground while they're in the background, minding his own business. The ant is reading a novel, which you might recognize the name of. The novel is called Jelly Bell, and it's a novel by Chrissy Beaver, Michael,
2: right.
1: uh, which I will point out is a fictional novel. It's not a real uh, yeah. But for anybody who's paying attention, it is, in fact, the novel that Kelsey Jannings was trying to turn into oh, a film. Yes. A quick reminder of another thing that Bojack could have done that probably would have got him out of this it funk is. if he just focused on anything that was real in this world, these stupid pieces. Of <laughs> shit. Um, and then I'd forgotten this was here. I'm really sorry, but we've got another one of those long newspaper clippings. Uh, mm-hmm. Just drop in here to this already super long episode. But I guess you're going to have to. Super <laughs> <deck dumps. laughs> I will read what I can from this because yes, it's. Please. It's obscured by Bojack's hand. Again, another theme we have going on. Stuff getting obscured by Bojack's hand. From left to right, though, the columns that I can read. I should point out for context, in the bottom left corner, there's a picture of a waffle iron. Mm-hmm. A picture of a waffle line and three waffles that are kind of like floating around it. So let me just go through where I can find it. Okay. I'll jump in where I can. So let start here. We, this paper's humble editorial staff, believe it to be a political imperative our campus dining hall has a waffle iron. (laughs) It is naive and disingenuous to believe that an omelette bar is a sufficient brunch alternative when, A, lines to the omelette bar are prohibitively long and there is a real problem with under-policing in regards to omelette bar line cutting, thus exacerbating an already arduous line-waiting experience. So as you might have gathered, this is, of course, an on-campus newspaper. Uh, Then there's a bit, or more obscured, And then it says, or I can only sort of decipher says, it never has enough tomatoes to meet demand. And most importantly, see a savory breakfast is no salve for when the heart demands sweet. <laughs> imagine, what, imagine what Tony Stark would say. He would say, I am Iron Man, waffle Iron Man, that is, because I love waffle irons. Yeah. <laughs> and this, it says, and this something should have a waffle iron. We something editorial staff, We, the editorial staff, have seen every Iron Man movie and we are (laughs) confident confident that he would say this. (laughs) Then it says, (sighs) We understand the communal waffle, the communal waffle Zyron has been abused in the past. We have witnessed the flagrant ignoring of the waffle batter only signed by scoundrels who dare to fill the iron with any manner of things, including, and then I can't see a bunch of it because of Bojack's hand. Until we get the bottom of a list that is ridiculously long that says pickles, champagne, waffles, soup, discarded, <laughs> discarded wedges, and then cuts off army guys as a something, and then it says only macklemore covered on. <laughs> on up again. And then we get the end bracket of something that says Ryan Lewis and something. Still, to punish the something flagrant abusers of the something goes against the principles which this school was founded upon and also, super not cool man, this issue we will not waffle on. (laughs) Very good. There is more here, but I'll tell you what, in the interest of, like, because it is, it just all goes a bit mad here, in the interest of trying to get this moved along, I will save a little bit of that paragraph for anybody who wants to find it, you know where you can find it in the episode. Bojack's reading it. Go and take a look. It's wonderful stuff. It really is. But I realise it's already going long, so I will pull up. <laughs> there we are. I think we've had enough of waffle irons at this point. But brilliant gag that I should point out. Just have to say it.
0: Waffle we, move, Man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we move back to the outside of the uh, university. And of course, it's Oberlin University that they're at. Uh, and there's a big sign. If you didn't know, Michael, this show is brilliant at telling you where you are and when you are. And as we come out of the, the latest blackout, the massive, massive sign for the university that just says, you are still at Oberlin University, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. And then, of course, the Oberlin a cappella band that turns up, Michael, are called the Very right, nice. which, of course, they are. Brilliant stuff. Uh, a wonderful flip reverse that we've seen of a, a phrase that has become synonymous with BoJack Horseman. Penny says to BoJack as he turns up, what are you doing here, she mm. says. That is a phrase that we all know and love from this show. We go back to the car, the two of them driving once again. This absolutely popped me stupid, right? It cracked me up because I've never heard it before. And I just thought they've done it a couple of times with the gag and they've changed it around, whether it's been in visual form or in like verbal form. But Sarah Lynn, as she pulls open the glove compartment to reveal the bag of Bojack, she says, well, I'll be a dick sucked by a dumb shit. What do you have here? <laughs> <laughs> Which I just the way she says it though is just such brilliant amazing, absolutely amazing not quite as amazing though maybe as the, when she mentions it's a, it's a right of honour for a celebrity to get named after or drugs to be named after a celebrity she names Billy Crystal Meth she names Angel Dustin Hoffman and she, <laughs> and she names Lucille Eightball all people who I'm sure would be happy to have the names associated with that. Mm-hmm. Before Bojack says the famous phrase that we all know and love, liquor before beer, never fear, don't do heroin. <laughs> 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 Magical stuff. Michael, my God, I think we're <laughs> there. We are there. That is the end of your horsing around for this week. But as if you haven't had enough already, <laughs> we do still have time, I think, for one last thing, and then I swear to God, I will shut up about this podcast forever and we can all just go off and have a nice, quiet cry. Michael, <laughs> would you let like it go first this time? Oh, I will go, go, go first.
0: Yes, You'll that's first. all right. Um, yeah, it's, as you say, probably the hardest one last thing to arrive upon because it's dense and you need to cover everything. It was just something that I thought was, again, pretty amazing. A credit to the writing and a credit to the performance of this particular bit of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sarah Lynn's reaction to the Oscar win is one of immediate joy, followed by a level of sadness that hits her so quick and with such potency that she basically wants to kill herself. It's that severe. That is the exact prediction that Diane had for what would happen to Bojack if he'd have won the Oscar. Yet again, a tell that she's the still point in this turning world that she's the one that can read these people better than they can read themselves. And we witnessed it play out. They told us one episode ago what would happen if somebody of Bojack's emotional fragility was to win an Oscar. And now we get to see it play out with the form of somebody else. It's not Bojack, but it's somebody of similar standing. And I think we would be remiss because it could well be the very last time, I suppose. But uh, if we didn't compliment the work of Christine Shaw in this particular episode, it was fantastic. Fantastic throughout as uh, Sarah Lynn throughout the show, but particularly brilliant in this. And it was in this scene where obviously she's got to open up Sarah Lynn like never before and really get to the meat of all of, it's it's, it's an existential crisis so big that Bojack has to take her to what would be the place of her death. Um, and I just, I was doing a bit of digging and Bojack Horseman is a criminally underappreciated show by awards uh, shows, which obviously yeah, is quite yeah. fitting with the theme of the season and the theme of this episode. But she was nominated for a primetime Emmy for outstanding character voiceover performance. Didn't win. So I don't know who did. They got it wrong because she was fantastic. She brought such incredible life and then eventual death to Sarah Lynn um, in a way where we've spoken before, I think, about all the, the actors in this show. Mm. You're not watching voice actors. You're watching actors. That's what they, It was just fantastic.
1: I couldn't agree more. I wouldn't want to say much more. As if you hadn't had long, long-winded stuff, though, I think I might have just found maybe, it's it it could be a stretch, but maybe one of my favourite one last things I have ever done, which unfolded more as this went on. But bear with me, and maybe you will learn a thing or two, Michael, because I'm wise as hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I kid, of course, I kid. We both know you're the genius, yeah. But, as you may recall, because he was very clear about this, Michael, Bojack Horseman, Really, really, really doesn't like triangles, does he? No, doesn't like triangular buildings, which I guess you could sort of stretch to say he doesn't. He's not a fan of triangles or triangular buildings, and he even goes as far as saying that they're gauche as is what he (laughs) says. Um, and I was trying to figure out why he hates triangles so much, like it's just such an odd thing for him to fixate on. He really does, but he really hammers at home. Would you believe? And you might think this is a stretch, but would you believe when he goes to see Penny, Bojack meets up with Penny, they have the interaction where they bump into each other finally. And before this, of course, we should point out the worst thing he'd ever done before Sarah Lynn was Penny. And I had to go back and double check that this was the case, but it was there at the same time. Penny is wearing on her neck a necklace. It's just a black, like bit of string. Mm-hmm. But the necklace piece that's on it is a downwards-facing triangle, right?
0: Uh-huh.
1: A downwards-facing golden triangle. And I got to think, and I was like, that's that's good, but it's not good enough, is it? That's not quite right. Okay. And then I figured, what what do you do with it? What's the triangle got? A triangle's got three points, hasn't it? One, mm-hmm. two, three. We've got rules of three without this show. Constantly mm-hmm. rules of three after rule of three. But most importantly, Bojack Horseman, I suddenly realized, as we were doing this, What is his whole life? His whole entire life has been triangles. Now, let me explain, Michael. Bojack has been in a a triangle seeking for desperation from who? Like, attention, love from his parents, mom and dad. Bojack, mom, dad. He's also been seeking acceptance from that weird love triangle he was in, Michael, in season one. Bojack, Diane, Mr. Peanut Butter. We go across to, more recently, the two women in his life who were trying to run his whole world, Bojack, Princess Carolyn, and Espanakobita. Mm. We also get Bojack, Todd, and Emily, because yeah. obviously he messes all that up. And the biggest one of all, I guess, technically, until he decided to take Sarah into a planetarium, was Bojack, Penny, and Charlotte. All wow. of the All of the relationships in his life, he finds himself, and I'm sure there are more, and please yeah. do tweet us, at podcast awesome if you can think of more. Those were just the immediate ones again to my That age. is brilliant. I've definitely added a little bit to that. But I wonder if there's a, there's a fascinating thing there subconsciously. Penny is wearing that necklace when he first meets her. I don't think she's wearing it on the night that the, it all goes down because she's got different clothes on for the, um, for the prom. Mm. But I just wonder if there's a wonderful maybe. He so fervently hates triangles. It's like oddly passionate. Is there a subconscious, self-conscious thing in there that he's picked up on that? And it's That maybe is fantastic. Character-
0: Not least because he's directly linking it to buildings and architecture and structural things yeah. that denote structure. He wants square support. buildings, like, yeah, support. more brilliant. size, more brilliant. size,
1: more support. Yeah. The triangle shape itself is one point that's wobbling with two or maybe a flat base, but it depends. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just—it felt. Let us know. Let us know your That's thoughts. On fantastic. Them. I love that. It just seemed to unravel as we went along. Of course, that one last thing would be one of the longest last things as well. <laughs> but listen, I am sure you can all agree with us. It's well worth it. This episode. It's well worth us taking the time to go through it properly. And we don't want to deny you all of the good stuff. Let's be honest. Even though we're all feeling pretty rubbish right about now. Anyway, <laughs> with that said, I guess before we do run away, if you've enjoyed this. You can, of course, as always, follow if if, you've, if this podcast bringing sadness and misery into your day, <laughs> something you would like more of, then you guess what, guys, you're in luck. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. Please do now more than ever. You probably need the community. Let us know your thoughts, <laughs> vent your frustrations, your sadness. Send us your favorite gifts, whatever you want. But also, please do, of course, try and be as kind as you can to the people who might not have seen it yet we don't Mm -hmm. want to spoil the show for other people on top of that though if you would like to follow either of your hosts you can you can follow myself at it's adam nicholas on twitter or you can follow michael Hamlet
0: at Michael Hamflit. Um, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We would love you to do that. You can follow it on Spotify. We'd love you to do that. You can subscribe on AirCast. We would love you to do that. And you can find it somewhere on that giant monolithic Amazon. We would love you to do that too. Um, we want to build a community. As Adam says, we want more people to cry themselves hoarse about a crying horse. And... <laughs> As for season three, um, we are inducting people into our Hollywood Talk of Fame. For anybody that is new to this podcast, dear God, why have you picked this week of all weeks? Um, we induct a new member into the Hollywood Talk of Fame with their own special Jack Horseman, Hollywood Talk of Fame star, normally through feedback through Apple Podcasts to get us up them charts, to win all the algorithms, to fool all the other fools. Um, however, for special season three, we've been asking for retweets. Every Friday, we put an ACAS link to the podcast at the Ad Podcast Horseman Twitter feed and any retweets thrown into our magic top hat There is a drum. I've got a hat. I've got a drum. I've got so many props around me when I record this podcast. We roll that drum to unveil our latest inductee. So here we go. The Season 3, Episode 11, That's Too Much Man, Hollywood star goes to... Eli Garcia. That's Eli Garcia at Town of Selena Eli, I know we've seen you. We've really appreciated the comments that you've engaged with at the Ad Podcast, Ad Podcast horseman Twitter feed. Been very grateful for them. I believe you might even have one of the original stars as well. So here's a second to add to your collection. E A G, perhaps. Um, so thank you if that was you for your feedback thank you for all your engagement with the Twitter account we love seeing all the, the various extra takes that you find on the show uh, we all love tweeting and talking horse about that talking horse a star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame will be coming its way to you soon
1: absolutely and you know what no jokes this week no jokes, I've got nothing else to say no sarky comments, no clever puns I'm just going to read the synopsis because I think that's what we all need right now <laughs> so season 3 episode 12 that went well. <laughs> what a title of an episode that is. <laughs> but yes, your synopsis for, the, for next week's episode. If that wasn't clear, the title of the episode is indeed That Went Well, and the synopsis is as follows. Mr. Peanut Butter saves the day, thank God. Todd gets exciting news. Bojack, Diane and Princess Carolyn pursue new opportunities. Sounds like nobody cares, Michael. <laughs> really worried about that. But if you want to find out what happens next week, you will have to come back and check out next week's episode of Podcast Horseman to find out all about it. Or maybe you've just had enough. And if that's the case, then fair enough. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure to see you this far. No, genuinely, please do stick around. As a rule of thumb, if you're ever going to watch episode 11, just watch episode 12 straight after. I promise you, it's it's always a good through it.
0: Get yourself It's always yeah. another...
1: Way to go. Just make amends and watch episode 12. Seems to work <laughs> for everybody else, doesn't it? Anyway, with that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamford, And this has been a very complicated episode of Podcast Horseman.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.